Hey everyone, you are listening to the official podcast of the Evangelical Free Church of Ken, where our mission is to glorify God, helping each other become mature disciples of Christ as we worship, grow, serve, and reach. Take your Bibles and open up to James chapter 2. James chapter 2. We're going to continue in our series through the book of James. And if you don't have a Bible with you, there should be one in the pew in front of you. And if you're using that one, uh, it should be around page 1200. You'll find the book of James. And uh, same goes for those of you online with us. Uh, thanks for uh, joining us in that way, and we would ask that you would have your eyes on Scripture as well. Uh, James chapter 2. If you get nothing else out of today, I want you to cling to this one statement. Authentic faith is not partial to people. Authentic faith is not partial to people. It's really, uh, as I reflect back on uh, my own journey, one of the aspects of my own story that sticks out to me, uh, if you don't know me, I actually grew up here in Fulton County and grew up farming. And I still love to farm. And when I went to college, I went to Moody Bible Institute, in downtown Chicago. Okay? Now, whether you realize it or not, if you have grown up and spent your life in Fulton County, Illinois, uh, you have a mentality that you don't realize until you leave Fulton County, Illinois. Okay? And uh, I'll never forget the first, I'll say, month in downtown Chicago, and I realized really quickly how present a fleshly mindset of partiality I had. Simply because when you are exposed to an environment or a culture that is different than the one you're used to, you realize the culture you're used to. And if you've never been exposed to that, then you have no idea what I'm talking about. And you're sitting there still wondering what I'm trying to get at. I recognized probably for the first time in those first months in Chicago, Illinois, that I had a natural tendency to be partial to a certain type of person. A Fulton County type of person. Okay? And if you don't think that's a thing, it's totally a thing. Alright? Um, if you have come to Fulton County from a different place, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And I praise God for His grace in allowing me to be exposed to cultures in other places so that I see that. 
But the reason I bring this up is because, church family, there is a danger that we see highlighted in the book of James if we become a people of partiality. There is a danger if partiality, whether intentional or unintentional, becomes a part of who we are. It's dangerous. Everyone say it's dangerous. Authentic faith is not partial to people. I want to read verses 1 through 13 of James chapter 2, and we're going to see what Scripture does to reveal this about who we're prone to be and what Scripture calls us to in this. My brothers, show no partiality. Everyone say, that's clear. (laughs) As you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, For if a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing comes into your assembly and a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in. And if you pay attention to one who wears the fine clothing and say, you sit here in a good place while you say to the poor man, you stand over there or sit down at my feet. Have you not then made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my beloved brothers. Has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he has promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor man. Are not the rich the ones who oppress you, the ones who drag you into court? Are they not the ones who blaspheme the honorable name by which you were called? If you really fulfill the royal law, according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You are doing well. But if you show partiality, you are committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. For whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become accountable for all of it. For he who said do not commit adultery also said do not murder. If you do not commit adultery but you do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. So speak. And so act as those who are to be judged under the law of liberty, for judgment is without mercy to the one who's shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Father, as we encounter this today, may you mold us as your people and shape us to be more like Jesus. May you help us to see even the blind spots in our own cultural life as the church that we might be Uh, complete and full in representing you as the bride of Christ. Lord, may you be honored and may we, as your word says, not simply be hearers of the word deceiving ourselves, but that we would do what it says. In Jesus' name, amen. There's two exhortations and an application recognition that I want to pull out today. As we read through this, the first one is what you saw so evidently in the first verse of chapter two, this exhortation to show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. This simple truth would be enough for us to sit with and go, this is enough for me to work on for a lifetime. Show no partiality. When I come to pastors like this, do you know, do you know what show no partiality means in the original language of the Bible? It means show no partiality. 
right? It means don't divide amongst yourself and say, I'm going to show favor here and I'm, I'm not going to show favor here. I'm, I'm going to treat with mercy and grace here, but I'm, I'm not going to do so over here. And it goes beyond this and illustrates uh, an example of this. Now, here's the danger, church family. The danger is that we would read this example in James chapter 2 and go, Oh, I don't, I don't really care whether someone's rich or poor, uh, so I'm good. No, this is an illustration of what not to do. And potentially an illustration that had been lived out amongst the church. Maybe. Or simply just a good way to highlight the exhortation that precedes it. Show no partiality. All of this is confirmed really in verse 8. What is he getting at? If you really fulfill the royal law according to Scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You are doing well. Now, what's, what's interesting about this is a perspective of God. Verse 5, listen, my beloved brothers, has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith, heirs of the kingdom, which he's promised to those who love him? A recognition that there isn't not the rich who have oppressed you. Once again, I say this is not meant to be a blanket cover all. In the scenario, you may have encountered in your life someone who was wealthier than you that was very generous. It's not what this is talking about It's specifically saying, hey. What is the pulled back God sized view of your relationships. And what we really start to see if we begin reading scripture with the intent to know God and to become more like Jesus is that as we see exhortations like this, what is it ultimately calling us to? It's really calling us to a life of consistency. Consistency. And if we go back to last week and we recognize I can't just be a hearer of the word, but I need to be a doer. It's being consistent in both what I say is true and what is lived out. You see, I can say that God's grace and his mercy abounds to all people. It's one thing for me to say that. It's another for me to live that. And I will say it's a lot harder to live that, is it not? For us to actually say, I'm going to approach this situation with a God-sized view and choose to show no partiality. Now, we, we are creative in, in our culture. We're very creative with our excuses, right? Um, something else you may not know about me is, naturally speaking, I am an introvert. And that doesn't mean I don't like people. I love people. I get excited being with people. But when I go home, I need to take a nap. Okay? That, that's all it means. However, I could easily say, 
or become someone who says, I'm an introvert, and so I just can't be around people. And so I'm just going to choose to narrow myself and kind of hide away from, from any, anyone and everyone. I need to be really careful about those things. Now, in no way am I saying you need to go all the way out on a whim and seek to meet every single person that you encounter. But what I'm saying is, is there consistency between what I say and what I do? When I say to someone, I care about you, am I consistent? Do I only say those words to people who I like? Or... Have I stretched myself to be intentional with those who maybe have caused me harm? That's hard. Everyone say, that's hard. It's really, this is not, I'm, I'm not coming to you today and saying that any of this is easy. But what I want you to see is that it's clear. My brothers and sisters show no partiality. This is the first exhortation. The second one is one that if you've spent any amount of time in church, you would be, you're going to be familiar with. Even if you haven't, you've probably heard this statement, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now, James is not the first one to speak of this. And in fact, it's back in the book of Matthew. And I want you to put your finger in James and turn back to Matthew chapter 22, because I want you to see this. These are actually the words of Jesus himself. Matthew chapter 22. And as you're turning there, recognize the context in which James is saying this. If you really fulfill the royal law, according to Scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing well. If you really do this, you're doing well. It would have not been surprising to assume that the people would have known this commandment to love your neighbor as yourself. Once again, it's one thing for me to hear it and be able to say it. It's another for me to what? Do it, right? (laughs) In Matthew chapter 22, specifically at verse 34. He said, but when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together and one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. So they're testing Jesus here. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law. And the prophets. In summation, what Jesus is saying is, you want to fulfill the whole of the law and the prophets, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Once again, way easier for me to say than for me to actually live out and do. But directly correlates with, if I'm truly going to show no partiality, then I have to begin with the basics. And we make all kinds of excuses about this. I make all kinds of excuses about this. We have to return back to the basic truth of these two things. Now, one of the questions that we often get when we read this passage, 
to love your neighbor as yourself is, well, who is my neighbor? Another excuse we use. Who's really my neighbor? I was curious about this, so in our family devotions the other night, I asked my kids. I said, guys, if I were to ask you this question, who's our neighbor, what would you say? And they started naming our physical neighbors right next to us in in house form. That's where they began. Makes sense, right? The neighbor, well, these are our neighbors. We know our neighbors, and so they started listing their names. I said, well, you're not wrong, but that's not all. So now they're looking at me. They're going, well, okay, uh, our, our family and friends. I said, well, okay, that's another piece of it, but there's still more. And so then they went, then, then they jumped to the other extreme, right? Well, it's all people. Because we're just going to encompass all of it at one time. I said, you're close. If we're really to ask the biblical question, who is my neighbor? Our neighbor is anyone in proximity with us whom we can share God's love. Our neighbor is anyone in proximity to us that we can share God's love. Stop and think about that for a minute. Because if we look at that definition, all of a sudden, the idea of my neighbor is changing daily, is it not? Who am I encountering? Where do I have opportunity to show the love of God in Christ Jesus? One of the most simple applications for us to not be partial is don't just be a nice person around your friends. Don't just be someone who's gracious and courteous and merciful to the people who know you. Be that person consistently. When we look at the ministry and example of Jesus, was not he consistent? And Jesus specifically identified, I came to do the will of him who sent me. If my faith is rooted in Christ, which we go back to verse 1 again, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. If you're saying, I'm a follower of Jesus, the exhortation here is show no partiality and instead you need to love your neighbor as yourself. A second way we often misinterpret this idea of loving our neighbor (laughs) is that we naturally speaking are more drawn to love and care for people where we see that it's of some advantage to us. And in Luke chapter 6, this is confronted. Verses 32 and 33 says, If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. In other words, if all I do in my life is care about the people who care about me, I have not shown the love of Christ the way we are called to. Because in that moment, I am not shining a light that is any different than the one the world is showing. Because the world's message is, love the people who love you, and that's it. The message of Scripture actually goes a step further even in Matthew chapter 5 and says, 
Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Whoa. And when we stop and realize that, we realize in a moment that this is a different way of thinking. Right? This is a different way of living. And if we step further back, we realize if anyone is in Christ, he's meant to be what? A new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. What new? I'm going to tell you that naturally speaking, I'm prone to love those who love me, whether I'm in Christ or not. But it takes an unrealistic motivation that is not of this world for me to go to the one who is of no benefit to me. And by the way, pet peeve right here, okay? Side note, pet peeve. Don't record yourself doing this. This is ridiculous. People upload videos. They're like, look, I'm going to give this person $100. Look at me. And I go, you're a Pharisee. That's exactly what Jesus told the Pharisees. Don't be like these guys who stand on the street corner and pray. Essentially saying, look at me. And it says, when you give, don't let your right hand know what your left hand is. Don't let your hands know what they're doing. But do it in secret and your heavenly father who sees will reward you. In other words, this should be a part of who we are. Not because I want recognition, but because I know what Jesus has done for me. That when I stop and consider the great cost at which Jesus paid my debt. I go, at minimum, I can show a love that is out of this world and be consistent in that. We are unable to do anything to deserve what God has done for us in Christ. No matter how hard we try, we could never repay Him. And this is what the love of God looks like. It's not a bad thing for you to be in relationship with the people close to you. That's a good thing. All right, don't misunderstand me. But what is bad is when I ignore or isolate those people that I don't know. Further than that, to not intentionally care for those who cannot benefit from you for cannot benefit you at all. <laughs> I, as I was stopping and thinking about this, I I asked the question, what are ways that we are prone to do this just in our own culture right here? And here was some I thought of. I know you, so I'm going to talk with you. I don't know you, so I'm not going to talk with you. We do that. Someone I know is sitting in my normal spot in the church building. <laughs> Versus someone new, and I sit down next to them. Right? How do we respond to that? Someone with nice clothes and hygiene visits on a Sunday morning. 
versus someone who may not smell the best and wears shabby clothing? How do we respond to that? These are just a few small examples, church family, and we could go into a lot of others. We can be partial based on someone's race. Whether you want to realize that or not, we can be prone to these things. And it is wise for us to stop and consider what God in Christ has called us to as the church. And we can do better. We have not arrived, church family. We could do better. And it begins by us understanding the depth of the gospel. And this brings about a third reality we see in this text. Verse 9. We do not think about this this way, but it's important we do. If we choose to walk in partiality, we sin. If we choose to walk in partiality, we sin. Verse 9, if you show partiality, you are committing sin. (laughs) I mean, family, one of the things I love about the book of James is it's so clear. It's so clear. And it goes on from here to actually speak about the fact that if you fail in any one point of what God has commanded you, you have failed the whole. That's the point. And why would James have to mention that? Because you and I in our flesh are all about ranking systems. Oh, man, well, you know what? You did this over here. All I've done is lie. You're way worse off than I am. Eh, wrong. Wrong. This is not how God sees this. And what happens in this is we define what we think the standard of holiness should be rather than saying God is the standard of holiness. Right? And when we do that, then we're prone to say, oh, you know what? My partiality really isn't that big of a deal. At least I didn't kill someone. And yet, James goes on to say, the same he who said... Do not commit adultery. Also said, do not murder. If you do not commit adultery, but you do murder, what? You have become a transgressor of the law. In other words, if you sin, you are a sinner. It's really that simple. And there is none of us who are exempt from this guilty verdict that we are sinners. And verse 12 and 13 bring this to close as saying, so in light of this, in light of remembering these things, speak and act as those who are to be judged under the law of liberty or the law of freedom for the judge for judgment is without mercy to the one who's shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. And we read that if you if you just read that small section and you know nothing about the gospel, this is a very scary passage of scripture. Because if I read this by itself and I know nothing about anything that Jesus has done, this leaves me in a very, very bad state. Because if I have done one thing in disobedience to what God has called me to, then I am a sinner. And I am judged according to my sin. But God...
And that's where the promise of Romans 8 declares that if you are in, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But there's the key for those who are in Christ Jesus. When you sit and you think about who God is, what stands out to you about his character? When we really start to think about who God is, it's really common that we identify, I'll call them the big ones. We think of his grace, his love, his goodness, his faithfulness. And those are all at the core of our faith and foundational to what we believe. But along with that, there are many other aspects of God's character that we can easily gloss over. Especially if they become challenging for us to practice ourselves. We desire to be more like Christ, but when we fail to see the entirety of who God is and who He's called us to be, it demands a shift, a change in our thinking, and a switch in the direction He's called us to, not only as individuals, but as the body of Christ. You see, what I mean by this is the gospel reveals that God is not partial. In Acts chapter 10, verses 34 and 35, it says, so Peter opened his mouth and said, truly, I understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. Anyone. In every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. Church family, partiality not only causes us to miss the heart of God towards His people, but it also causes us not to take seriously the consequences of my own sin. Because when I'm prone to be partial, it means that I'm prone to say, I'm better than them. The Gospel reveals that I deserve nothing. And to be more specific, the gospel reveals that I deserve death because of my sin. And when I'm prone to show partiality, when I'm prone to be inconsistent, it's because I have convinced myself, whether I do this acknowledging it or not, I've convinced myself that I am better off. The truth of the gospel begins when we realize that I have no hope. And then Christ enters the picture and God says, there is a way. There is a way for you to be redeemed from your sin. But it is only through Jesus. It is only through His sacrifice and His resurrection and the hope of His return and eternity with Him. Because no matter what you have done in the past, we are all equally sinners in the eyes of a holy God. And in the same breath, the same opportunity to receive the grace of God in Christ is available to every single one of us. Why? Because God shows no partiality. For God so loved the world that He gave His Son that whoever would believe will not perish but have eternal life. Here's the thing though. You still have to make a choice here. 
whether you're going to be a hearer of the truth or a doer. And as we stated last week, unless the gospel has transformed you, you are not following Christ. When we understand our sin for what it is, we understand that there is no hope for me apart from Jesus. And then when we understand the sacrifice of Christ, we realize that there is no one else we will serve for the rest of our days. And when I realize there's no one else I'm going to serve, I realize that my number one yearning is for all people to experience the same hope and joy and eternal security that I've been given, not because of anything I've done, but because of Christ. Church family, I want to exhort you to not, may we not be a people who are partial to some. May we be a culture of consistency, knowing what has been done for us in Christ. That that would be a vision that we place over ourselves in our individual lives, in our families, in our church body. That when people look at who we are, they would say, I may not agree with them, but they're consistent. And it all seems to come back to Jesus. May that be who we are. And it's for this very reason that we come to the communion table family. To come and remember. So we don't lose sight of why we're here. Because it is not for me and it's not just to check a box. It's because of what Jesus has done. That we would not lose sight of that. And so as we reflect on these things, I want you to take a moment and just pause and evaluate. Where am I at? In relationship to who God is and what he's done and recognition of my sin. Where am I at? Where have I been prone to live in partiality with the people around me? Where have I intentionally or unintentionally committed those sinful behaviors? And how do I turn from that and walk in true repentance before a God who loves me so much he gave his son for me? Where do I begin? So I'm going to ask the servers to come forward and I'm going to pray. And uh, we're just going to take this moment to reflect and then we're going to eat and drink together in remembrance of what Christ has done to remind ourselves of the gospel, the hope of Christ. Father, as we consider these things, may we be a people who take seriously the call in our lives to not just hear, but to do. And may it impact who we are, um, not just what we say. Father, open our eyes to how this becomes applicable right where we're at right now. That we would walk in authentic faith and in authentic faith be consistent in who we are. Root out those things that distract us from what is true and give us eyes to see and ears to hear and motivation to do for your glory. In Jesus' name.